This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Today, featuring our friend uh, Dan Andros, who uh, you've seen many times before, but he's also a uh, right for the TV show. What else do you do around here? Uh, Sweep up. I just hide and take naps wherever I can. There's a lot of couches around here. A lot of us do that. Yeah, a lot of us do that. So So that's nothing new. Um, According to Judicial Watch, there's some new Benghazi emails that shows that the Department of Defense offered State Department quote. Forces that could move to Benghazi, unquote, immediately. And, of course, the specifics have been blacked out in a new document. Uh, Judicial Watch yesterday released a new Benghazi email from then-Department of Defense Chief of Staff Jeremy Bash to State Department leadership immediately offering forces that could move to Benghazi during the terrorist attack. Now, when we brought that up after Benghazi and said, oh, they had to have forces in the area, right? Mm-hmm. They had to have troops that could move or, or, or bombers or fighters that could get there it quickly. No, oh, no, there's, there's nothing. No, it's clear in Italy. Nah, uh, that would take way too long. Now, the battle lasted, what was it, 13 hours? Yeah, the whole night. All night long. They could, have, they could have helped them at any time. They could have been there probably fairly close to the beginning of this thing and saved lives. They chose not to for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. They just didn't do it. it. There's a couple couple things that bother me about this. A, like, why is this coming out now? Like, why are we finding out about this now? Mm-hmm. And so that's annoying enough. But then the yeah. second part of this to me is, I, you know, this story has been so, you know, the left has done a good job at just, you know, doubling down and just saying, look, we've been here, done that. You know, it just, there's so many facts, so many details coming out that it just gets convoluted. And while this point is not, I think that I just don't know that it's going to actually do anything. I feel like the I don't think it is. The ship has sailed on this. Yeah, it has. You you could literally probably have unless you have video of Hillary Clinton and they're going no, don't go. Like I I want them all dead. Short of that, like Uh there's just nothing that's going to happen on this. Yeah, it's so bad that even I didn't click on this story, thinking (laughs) "Ah, it's another Benghazi. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Completely over. And and no one has gotten to the bottom of the one thing that I would love to know on this story uh, that no one has gotten to the bottom of is what was Obama doing on that night? 
because I remember reading like a couple initial reports earlier that he had gotten his brief because we know now that the first briefings he got were at about I think five or six o'clock like dinner time where he knew what was going on mm -hmm. and then we don't know what he did the rest of the night now now he says like oh well, I was in the war room like I actually my personal belief is that he got this update okay there's something's going down there in Benghazi and he went off to bed and just slept the whole night yeah, because there's well, no there's no account of what he actually did. Like they none. don't have any proof of like him in the war room. They don't have any of that stuff. So to me, the guy went to bed, and of course that can't come out because over. I mean, if you yeah. went to bed while a U.S. ambassador was under <laughs> under attack, and you're like, ah, oh, that's all interesting and everything. Let me know what happens in the morning. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. As bad, and, it's, and then you know, as if this isn't bad enough, that would be even worse in my opinion. But. You know, the fact that we had these forces here and they chose not to do it or just through an incompetence, just couldn't do it. Um, can you show us a close-up of the document? Can we, can we see the uh, actual document? It reads, in part, state colleagues, I just tried you on the phone, but you were all in with S. Who's S? I, I don't know. Um, and then the next Secretary of State, I guess. Uh, okay, so af after consulting with General Dempsey, General Ham, and the Joint Chief, we have identified the forces that could move to Benghazi. They are spinning up as we speak. So they're getting them ready. They're spinning up as we speak. We can go. They include A, and then he describes what they include, and that's all, that's all been uh, re redacted. redacted. Assuming principals agree to deploy these elements, we will ask the State Department to secure the approval from host nation. Please advise how you wish to convey that approval to us, and then more redacted stuff, and then it's yeah. signed Jeremy. And that's at 7.19 p.m., so that's just... An hour or two after the president has been briefed, so I mean this They're is ready early to go. on. This is early on in the game. Yeah, it is, they didn't. The, the ambassador did not die until like three or four in the morning or five in the morning or something like that. So this is hours before that. Could have absolutely gotten gotten them there and saved lives. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. The Obama administration has redacted these details for some reason. Um, I, I can see why they would redact the details of what we have in the region. You don't want your enemies to right, know right. What, what you've got there. But we, we, don't want our stuff, we don't want our enemies to know what assets we will not use in a crisis situation. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, Bush's email seems to directly contradict testimony, though, given by then-Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta before the Senate Armed Services Committee in February 2013, defending the Obama administration's lack of mil military response to the nearly six-hour-long attack on the U.S. consulate. Uh, Panetta claimed that time, distance, the lack of an adequate warning, events that moved very quickly on the ground prevented a more immediate response. I mean, the military was ready to go. They were ready. The Obama administration and Clinton officials hid this compelling Benghazi email for years, according to Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton. The email makes readily apparent that the military was prepared to launch immediate assistance that could have made a difference, at least at the CIA annex. Uh, the fact that the Obama administration withheld this email for so long only worsens the scandal of Benghazi. However, no one is going to care. No. Nobody who matters is going to care. No, and, and again, the left is just, they're masterful at this. They're, they ah, that's old news. And, and, well, and, and I say they're masterful. Of course, the advantage they have is that the press is completely on their side. The, the press right. is complicit in that. When, the, when, some, when you know, somebody comes out, when Harry Reid comes out and says, ah, oh, this is old news, they're like, you know what, yeah, it, that is old news. That was like six months ago. Why are we even bothering reporting on that thing now? They just give up immediately instead of just pursue it like, you know, like a bunch of crazed wolves or something like they do for the Republicans. Yeah, I guarantee you, if it was President Ted Cruz, 
Oh. They'd be all over this oh latest my email. Oh, my gosh. This is old news. This proves that we could have done something to save lives, and Ted Cruz didn't care. Look at That's how, what it would be. Look at, the, look at the general sense you have of every scandal. Uh, Benghazi, it's like, eh, it's like there might be something there, but the press didn't really ever get onto it. Then you go to Yellow Cake, and it's like, that's, you know, that is the thing that actually just brings down, you know, the whole Bush intelligence. Say, Yellow cake. And the, he lied and people died. <laughs> like that one was legit. We, we get to the bottom of that one. But uh, but not Benghazi. Every time you say yellow cake, I think of those urine cakes that are in the urinals in the bathroom that are supposed to make it smell better in there, and it really kind of doesn't. It doesn't sort ever of a work. sickening, but so no. but that's not the kind of yellow cake you're talking. That's about. not the kind of yellow cake. I'm surprised okay. that's where you go with the yeah. imagery. Like I kind of go to the yellow cake with the chocolate frosting on it. And See, I that's think, better imagery. Yeah, I wish I went to that. Yeah, and you go to the urinal cake. Yeah. That's, uh, that's disturbing. Pat. It is. <laughs> it kind of is, isn't it? Uh, also, there's a classified letter that is revealing that ISIS is targeting the uh, U.S. Uh, refugee program, which we talked about on radio uh, yesterday and the day before. On Monday, Michael McCall uh, revealed con contents of a classified letter from the National Counterterrorism Center, which disclosed that ISIS and other Islamic militant groups have been and are targeting the U.S. refugee program as a way of entering the country. No, so. that can't be, Pat. It's all widows and orphans, right? Uh, yes, I mean, it's 100% widows and orphans. What, are right? you afraid of three-year-old right. girls coming from right. the Middle East? And can, can, we just, can we just talk, by the way, real quickly about, I actually <laughs> will say Obama had bad luck on this San Bernardino thing because he comes out and he says, he says you know, it's widows. It's, I, what are you guys afraid of? And then widows it's and a woman <laughs> terrorist yeah. on this thing. Yeah. Like, what are the odds that a woman comes out and she, you know you're, that you're going to get a terrorist? Who might have actually been place. a widow for a few seconds? She, she might have been a widow for a few <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so it could have been technically exactly proving him wrong. Yeah. He's got to be sitting there and yelling, oh, "Are you kidding me?" I make this comment and a chick comes out and she except starts, he doesn't have to because nobody points that no, out no, in the mainstream press. Nobody points that out. Nobody points Think that about out. how insane that is. He comes out mocking people who are concerned about this. It literally happens like a week later, and nothing. Nothing. The media instead goes into let's go ban guns. That's where they go. They don't go with it of going after Obama and how ri ridiculous he is. The media and every Democrat politician all into gun control mode Gosh. in a terrorist situation like this where the guns were illegal anyway. Yeah, this is, again, this is the like... The guns they used were illegal. I mean, this is like somebody looking at, like, all of a sudden, you know, like the obesity crisis or something, and they're like, you know what, those darn forks. We've got to stop the forks, guys. They're putting all the food right into our mouth. I mean, it's, it's horribly asinine. insane logic that makes no sense. It's asinine. <laughs> the NCTC has identified individuals with ties to terrorist groups in Syria attempting to gain entry into the U.S. through the U.S. refugee program. The system, like all immigration programs, is vulnerable to exploitation from extremist groups seeking to send operatives to the West. It's pretty frightening. This is, this is why we're so vulnerable yeah. to things like uh, what Trump said. Because, you know, it sounds appealing. All right, for a little while, yes, we, we stop the Muslim immigration because that's who it would come from. Right? Not all Muslims are terrorists, but the terrorists we're worried about right now are Muslim. So it sounds appealing to put a stop to that. But on the other hand, you've got to do the old, all right, freedom versus security thing. 
yeah. how much attention do you pay to the U.S. Constitution? Yeah, and I'm amazed at how, I mean, we are literally seeing with Trump and his popularity why, like, we can easily look over at Europe and Greece and be like, how is the Golden Dawn Party coming into power right now? I mean, that is another, it's a neo-Nazi party. Mm -hmm. And you say, what in the world are these crazy guys doing? Well, they're experiencing what we're starting to experience times a thousand, you know, as Glenn's over there now. And, uh, you know, looking at some of the refugee and migrant, you know, crisis that's going on there. I mean, they're really feeling it because their countries are not as big as ours and they can't absorb as much as we can, even though our sponge is pretty full, too. Um, but so I can I can see the appeal of it. But then when mm -hmm. you just think about it for two seconds, you're like, look. Guys, do you know we you can't be, do it. You can't do. You know, they're saying let's let's stop Muslims. Well, how, what does that process look like? What, what does that look like at the border? Uh, you mm -hmm. have to ask someone if they're Muslim. I mean, just because they're an Arab doesn't mean they're Muslim. I mean, they could easily be a Christian or just nothing, you know, or Hindu or whatever. So, I mean, how do you do? You put little yellow crescents on them. What, what, how do you identify these people? And then, you know, I actually got a back and forth with someone on that on, online, and and I pose that question to them like well what does that look like and he would not answer that question and because the moment you do you start looking insane you're yes. like okay well we've got to just take anyone who's muslim and put them over here and when you actually think through the process you realize how out of bounds that is from the constitution you can't answer it because there's no answer to it <laughs> no. you, you, there's no way to do it without sounding, there's no way to do it without sounding like like a like Adolf Hitler. Like Adolf Hitler, exactly. You said it for me. Um, but you know what, though? I, I mean, everyone proposing that solution right now, are we safe? Are we 100% safe now? I mean, you know, with just our regular immigration laws? Even, no. even legal immigrants. You can never be 100% safe. You can't. And, and how is it fair in any way, shape, or form, and, or sane, to, uh, you know, to say someone could potentially be a terrorist? If you have no record and there's no evidence of you being a terrorist... To me, it's very difficult to, you know, uh, to just shut that all down. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. You know, I understand, you know, I understand the, if look, if you have no paperwork at all, then that's a problem. But if you have legit paperwork and you check out and there's no arrest, hit, there's nothing, then I don't see how you can shut that down out of just fear. To a Trump supporter, though, um, everything he says, they oh. just accept wholeheartedly. Yep. Yes, that's the most brilliant thing I've ever said. <laughs> or I've ever heard, and I'm, I'm going to repeat it over and over and over again. And I'm going to put it online, and I'm going to say this is the way to go, and why, doesn't, why don't all conservatives, this is such a conservative plan, when you know it's not. No. It's not a conservative not plan. Close. It's not a conservative thought. He's never been a conservative. But you can't tell them anything. Nope. You they, can't convince them of anything. We are in some sort of a weird, uh, we're, we're trapped in this weird cycle right now, and I think... Um, what has happened is the Trump supporters have decided that uh, they're kind of like those crazy conspiracy theorists, you know, like the ones mm -hmm. like for Sandy Hook, like the really crazy ones. It doesn't matter what you say to them or even what video you show to them. They, they will never agree that that actually happened. Like they will immediately go into conspiracy mode and spin it in any crazy way that possible. It, to me, that's the same thing we're seeing with these Trump supporters is it doesn't matter how crazy the statement is. To say ban all Muslims and then double down on it by saying FDR, this is what FDR did, that's insane. We, we put mm -hmm. innocent people in internment camps out of fear, <laughs> took them out of their houses. That's crazy. And you're citing that as a positive example. And they're like, yep, there's precedent. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, we also put people, we also uh, enslaved people. 
Like, do you say, like, well, hey, the economy's bad. This will help the economy if we do it. There's precedent. We've no, done, we had slaves. Like, that's a terrible crazy. argument. And it's the same when you ask them about the wall that Mexico's going to pay for. <laughs> How are you going to get Mexico to pay for that? <laughs> well, because we have a country. It's called we have a country. And they just use his talking point. <laughs> well, what do you mean by that? What does that do? Trump 2016. <laughs> Can't stop it. <laughs> it's it's so frustrating it is right very now. Frustrating. It's like you it's just frustrating. All you can do is put your hands up. Yeah. Hope for the best and hope and pray that somebody wakes up somewhere along the yeah. way and realizes that this guy is not a conservative. He's never been a conservative, and we have actual conservatives in the race that we could be voting for. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. Triple eight seven two seven back more. Oh, Pat and Stu with Dan coming up here in a second. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Oh, okay. The uh, Dalai Lama has fixed the situation for us. This is great. Um, The Dalai Lama says that uh, we need dialogue with ISIS. Mm. One has to have respect for the other person. Oh. In an interview Monday he did for uh, some Italian uh, paper, the Dalai Lama said, quote, Islam is a religion of peace, unquote. Uh, Those who are intolerant harm their own faith and their own brothers, there has to be dialogue with ISIS as well. (laughs) Uh, When asked how dialogue could be achieved with barbarians bent on annihilation, he replied, one has to listen to understand, to have respect for the other person. Regardless, there is no other way. Mm. Now, they've made it pretty clear there can be no dialogue. There's three options. And they're willing to talk about the options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you want to submit? So convert. Do you want to pay the big tax, which is a year's salary? Right. Or do you want to die? I mean, they're willing to talk about that. They're willing to talk about it. So maybe they'll even give you a choice of how they kill you. Would you like a beheading or do you want us to just shoot you? They just did that with a a group of Christians. And they asked him, hey, uh, you guys have anything to say at the end here? Are you okay with this? Are you pretty comfortable with it? And they said, well, no, rather than have our head uh, chopped off, we'd rather be shot. So they chopped off their heads anyway. Anyway, yeah. So, that, so that's the kind of people that they are. That's the kind of wonderful people they are when you have respect for each other. Yes, and, and I, uh, I agree with the Dalai Lama. This is a fantastic idea. And, let's talk. Uh, let's talk. So I propose you, Mr. 
Dolly. Or should I call you Mr. Lama? Or Mr. Lama. Uh, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and go right on down to Mosul or Syria and just, we can arrange that meeting for mm -hmm. you and uh, show us how it's done. how it goes. I think it'll show be Show us how, you know, the vicar of Baghdad, there's a, there's a vicar in Baghdad, and he thought that kind of the same thing. He, he thought there should be a dialogue. Mm. And so he invited ISIS, the heads of ISIS, uh, al-Baghdadi and others, to come over for dinner and engage in a dialogue. They RSVP'd that they'd be happy to come to dinner. So the Dolly was right. They said, yes, we'll come to dinner, but we will chop your head off. Mm. And then I think dinner was uh, off a little. At that yeah. point, they, they canceled the he dinner. He didn't go, huh? He didn't, didn't go to the conversation. No. Mm -hmm. yeah. And maybe so. we could, like... G-chat. You know, when you look at this, uh, by the way, this is this obviously it's, insane thinking. But it's crazy. Even more it's insane crazy. to me is when you look at these barbarians uh, of ISIS and Obama's policy for them has been to contain them. Yeah. Think of how crazy that is. Now he said at, at the beginning, "Oh, we got to degrade and destroy," but that came after mm -hmm. his initial initial policy, mm -hmm. which was, "We're just going to contain them." Now, you know, having gone there and having seen that containment myself, like, I, it's inexplicable that, A, nobody is hounding him on this and nobody's calling him out on this, especially after Paris and, all, you know, these attacks that are starting to pop up again. Those have been allowed to happen because precisely that we've only contained them and not destroyed them. Yeah. That's insane. It Almost is. as insane as uh, just... <laughs> Having a chit chat with him. And now you were there. Today. You were there in Sinjar, where yes. the uh, Peshmerga were were anxiously waiting to get the go ahead yep. Yep. to take back Sinjar, right? And and so you talked to these guys, and they alluded to the fact that they were being held back. Yep. Do you have any ideas to why they were being held back from taking back the city? No, and uh, and and that's the question I want to get to the bottom of, and I am starting to investigate that now since. Nobody else is. I kind of yeah. figured after Paris, you know, that they would um, because now they bombed Raqqa, which was, you know, part of that supply line. But <laughs> but Mosul is the same exact situation right now. We were we were 20. We were 10 miles outside of Mosul, too, in a little town there. And they those guys there, the commanders that were on that front line said the same exact thing. Hey, we're They're ready to go back. and Jeez. we're not allowed to. That's now, Mosul. I mean, come on. Right. And so they think they're in a really good position to take back Mosul, too. Oh, my gosh. They said, they, they said the same exact thing. In a day? They could take it back in a day? They said with the forces they have. I, I can't remember if they said a day, but they made it sound like this would be no problem for us. Can and, you and, imagine? And they were right. When we talked to the guys in Sinjar, which they ended up, they did liberate They took Sinjar, it back in less than a day. They took it back in less than a day. So the same thing we're allowing to happen in Mosul after this mistake. And it's like you look at France and you think, my gosh. They've been allowed to sit there and supply themselves and grow, or at least remain. And it's very plausible that the terrorists who attacked France, uh, Paris, came from that area, either Raqqa, Sinjar, or Mosul, and just was allowed to go right on up with the refugees. If I were president, I would absolutely, my strategy begins with uh, arming to the teeth, the Kurds. Oh, just 100%. arm them to the teeth. Support yeah. them in every possible way. Give them the green light. Tell them to do whatever they need to do. Go take care of it, and see what they can do. Yep. Uh, that's that's got to be the first step. Let the let the people in Iraq take care of this thing, yep. and and drive them out or kill them. Hopefully, kill them all, 
And then, uh, you know, Syria might be a different... It might be a different situation because you don't have the same types of players right. in Syria. So I'm not I'm not sure what's this what the strategy is because I'm not arming any of those rebels in Syria. No, they're, and that's they're Al Qaeda. They're yeah. Well, that's ISIS. the insane that's the insane part about this them not re, you know them not really going directly to the Kurds and arming them. Well, it's against international law to to oh, really you oh, sent arms you sent arms to moderate rebels. Mm -hmm. You're willing to do that, but you're not willing to send them to the Kurds. The, that, why do you think ISIS has all these freaking weapons? Why, why do you think they have all these Americanized weapons that they got their hands on? Because we sent them to them. That's, exactly that's right. insane. You know, exactly oh, moderate right. rebels. There's no such thing as a moderate rebel. There's two, ways they, there's two ways they receive those weapons, those American weapons. One is from the troops in Iraq that we trained and gave the weapons to and said, hey, defend your country now because we're gave out up. of this. And they gave up and <laughs> left their weapons and yeah. ran the other way. <laughs> and then the other way was arming the rebels. Yeah. That, uh, and, and so, you know, this all begins, I think, with the Kurds, with the Peshmerga. Yep. And, and just let them destroy ISIS because I really believe they could. Yeah, I really it. believe they I, could. Think about it. Just, I just ask everybody to think about it for one second. What is the possible upside of a policy of containment? There isn't any. Because eventually that containment is going to crumble, right? Yeah. Eventually it's going to give way somewhere. Yeah. And because these guys are fanatical. These guys are insane. They're some of the most brutal, horrifying killers we've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, I, there's no containing them. No. You must destroy them. No. And wh wh what's the purpose them. of letting them stay alive? I don't the know. only purpose of letting them stay alive is if you want them alive for some reason. It'd be really nice if someone tracked down what the reason is we want ISIS to be alive instead of dead. Well, Glenn seriously believes it's at the request of Turkey and uh, Iran because uh, they need ISIS to go against Assad, yep. apparently. I, I, Think it's, about it. It's a complicated mess. Wh whatever it's it mess. is, that's a, that's a humongous story. Yeah, it is. I mean, could you imagine the headline of, hey, here's how all these players in the region and NATO and everything are using ISIS for their own ends? That's despicable, and it's, it's a moral outrage, and somehow nobody seems to care about trying to track that one down and report on it. Absolutely crazy. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Iran, they've broken U.N. resolutions for a second time no now. No way. Launched another missile. On Monday, Fox News was informed uh, by a senior U.S. official that Iran launched a medium-range ballistic missile, uh, and it was a test that marked the second time in recent months that the countries <laughs> breached the U.N. Security Council resolutions. Test was conducted on November 21st from a known launch site. Uh, the missile, known as Goddard 110, has a range of 1,800 miles. And uh, the missile fired in November is an improvised version of the Shahab 3, similar to the pre precision. American response, lukewarm. I think, um, uh, and President Obama said, I think what we'll be doing is we'll review as we have in the past, any violations of U.N. resolutions. Mm. And we'll deal with them much as we have in the past. Oh, which my is, gosh. of course, not at all. If I'm Iran, not I, am, at all. I am shaking in my boots. Aren't you with that statement? That with that statement? After that stern, stern we're gonna, statement? We're going to go into review. I'm going to have some of my lackeys go <laughs> review some paperwork. Oh, think, my gosh. What we'll do is, like we've done in the past, nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's scary. Yeah. It's scary. Frightening stuff. More more patents do with Dad coming up in a sec here. Jeez.
You know, it's kind of refreshing. Uh, our progressives who really admit their progressive agenda. Yeah. A lot of times they, you know, like Obama, for instance, he... Uh, I'm really moderate. I'm not an ideologue at all. I'm more <laughs> pragmatic. Really? Yeah, the number one really liberal senator. <laughs> and, and look at it. Look, you just look at what progressives do. I mean, what, what is their typical pattern? Like, they'll start a organization, like a 501c3, and it'll be... It'll be like, um, you know, Center for American Progress. Like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm for the progress of America, too, right? It's right. very American, sure. flowery sorts of things. And it's not um, a more government control. Like, they don't name it that, you know. No. But no. Uh, so they, they're very sly. They don't they name do it American communism, which <laughs> is really what it essentially is. Um, but HuffPost uh, writer Amate Edzioni He's my favorite. Uh, he is. He served as a senior advisor to the Carter White House. Mm. So you know right there, he's oh. great. <laughs> he taught at Columbia, Harvard, and UC Berkeley. So you know he's even better. Oh, look at him. He looks just as old as Carter, too. Yeah, he does. And he's a professor of international relations now at George Washington University. So here's his... I mean, this is honest, at least. Well, I mean, it's radical, but it's honest. He's, Patty, let's, he's got to do it. I mean, look yeah, at him. he does. Look at him. He can't do the progressive agenda anymore, which is let's do a little step at a time. I mean, he's running out. He's running honest, out of time. He's running out of time here. He's running out of time. So he's got to speed things along. So he's just getting right to it. <laughs> he's getting let's, right to it. Let's do domestic disarmament. Look, guys, I'm two minutes from death, so we got to yeah. we got to talk brass tacks here. Let's go. We need to get rid of the guns. He's just admitting <laughs> it. Not gun control, domestic disarmament. And uh, I love that name of it, by the way. Domestic disarmament. Yeah, that, that's a, another progressive. Yeah. Let's just call yeah. it something that nobody's heard before and maybe it will resonate. But I don't know if this domestic disarmament is going to fool anybody. Um, <laughs> he says in response to the almost daily mass shootings, uh, slightly overstated mm, in slightly. the United States, which could be expected to rise uh, now that they're also promoted by ISIS. Good progressive persons are calling for some measure of gun control. They may well know in their hearts that even if these measures are enacted, they will do little to re reduce gun violence. But they'll feel right. good about it, Pat. Feel good. But he's right. Yeah. They won't do anything. They won't. Uh, good progressive people may well respond that they must start with small incremental measures because the really big effective ones do not have a prayer. But neither do the tiny ones, at least on the national level. The NRA will not yield an inch. Uh, one needs no better evidence than to note that Congress just refused to ban people on the no-fly list. Oh. Well, right, because they haven't been convicted oh of a gosh. crime. I, uh, oh, my gosh. I mean, the, the no-fly list argument. First of all, Ted Jeez. Kennedy was out there Agonizing, when he came man. up on it, and he was railing against it, and mm -hmm. rightfully so, because it's an abuse of our individual liberties. Now, all of a rights. sudden, this is a no-brainer to them. Sudden, is Ted Kennedy, by the way, a, lib a gun nut? Is he, was he some sort of a gun nut when he was alive? Don't because he, would, so. he wasn't in for these uh, no-fly lists. No. 50% of the, at the time, 50% of the 71,000 people on that list were on there erroneously. But somehow now this government list, and that's another, let's just let that one marinate. Let's, let's decide our individual rights by who's on a mysterious government list or not. That sounds like a great idea. So he says, advocates of gun control frequently cite the much lower levels of gun violence in other developed nations, such as Canada and in the UK, in support of the measures they promote. However, these very low levels of gun violence have not achieved, were not achieved by gun control, but by domestic disarmament. Now, here's the deal with, with the UK, with Australia, which they continually cite. Um, if you compare them to the United States, their levels are lower. 
they've always been lower. But if you compare them to the days prior to their ban of guns, they're higher. The, the U.K., after the gun ban, went up 300% in gun violence for the first three years. 300%. And ever since then, out of 18 years, they've had one year that was lower than the pre-ban. One. In Australia, uh, they went up 19% in the first four years, and they've been about the same since. It's not helping. No, I, I, I don't know how you can say that's, that worked. That's a, a success. It's not. And not only that, it's like, do you want to stop gun violence or do you want to stop all violence? Because the other thing that happens when you take away all the guns is criminals are feel a little more safe to go ahead and commit criminal acts. So right. in general, right, crime right. starts to go up in those countries. Uh, I, I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but I do recall reading a few a few of those countries. That seems to be the trend is that general crime and violent crime increases like rapes and things like that because they know they're not going to walk into a house where someone's going to shoot them so you can go ahead and get that rape done with a uh, very little consequence jeez i mean this guy goes on to say one may say that the supreme court after 250 years in which the second amendment was read as allowing only a well-regulated militia to have guns it, it was never read that way the Second Amendment was never read that uh, Progressives read right, it that way. Right. They still read it that way. It's never been read that way. Uh, he said recently interpreted it to mean there's an individualized right to own guns. Well, of course there is. This suggests that we may have to get a domestic disarmament through the back door. Around the Constitution somehow. I don't, right. I don't know how he it's proposes It's that pesky Constitution. That. All of Progressives' ideas... Yes. I'm always thwarted by that a darn, darn constitution a darn old, if it wasn't for that. Dusty document. You could control everyone. So he suggests make the gun manufacturers liable for harm done with their products. That's a great idea. <laughs> Ban the sale of ammunition right. and vote for a president that will add to the Supreme Court who will read the Second Amendment as written. Uh, yeah, I'd love that. If they would read it as written, we wouldn't have any of these problems. Yeah. Yeah, Jeez, exactly. that is unbelievable stuff. But at least a progressive, like you said, is willing to... Because that is the only real conversation, a, a gun conversation. All this talk about, well, let's limit the magazines. Let's have this yeah. type of gun. Not gonna That's work. all a bunch of crap because somebody can always come out with a gun and shoot somebody. And then you're going to be like, well, we got to ban that one too. The only real argument is, do we have guns or do we not? Let's just have it out. But, of course, they don't want to have that argument out because, no. as he states in there, you will lose poorly because it's clear you're losing a right. You know how many guns we have in this country? Oh, my gosh. 300 million. 300 million guns. So if you were to try to confiscate them all, uh, you're in for some trouble. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of people who are not giving them up willingly. They're, they're not going to go quietly into that good night. And besides, you know, they talk about the fact that we can't deport 11 million people, but you can round up 300, 300 million, million guns. guns. No. And, and I'm sorry, no. but and you can say, like, well, our country's so great right now, and this will never happen. But, but, but I'm sorry that if we ever had a tyrannical government down the road where it got really bad and really out of control mm -hmm. and they started pushing, pushing, pushing citizens more and more and people said, you know what, no, I'm not. Well, for example, if we started rounding up Muslims and putting them <laughs> in internment camps and they didn't want to go, 
I mean, you know, like that's that's never happened before. Oh, except in, when we did it to the Germans and also to the Japanese. So, but let's just say the hypothetical, and everyone's like, oh, well, what are you going to do against the government? Like, imagine the government trying to go through. It would be a bloodbath if people mm -hmm. just decided, you know what? Screw you. I'm not. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. It would be so bad. So, yes, they have a big, giant military, but it would be so awful if they tried to confiscate everything and, it would. and take over people that it works. So the, the point is that having an armed citizenry works. It keeps the government in check. I prefer to have that option. Thank you very much. And believe me, it's the, the option is going to continue. There's no way you can ban guns in this country. No. You can't disarm this nation. You're just, nope. There's no way to. Uh, so they might as well give up on that. Um, and let's just talk about France for one second here, Pat. They have really strict gun laws. I don't know if it's like an Australia ban, but I know that they're very strict. Very strict. Mm -hmm. How in the world did two people end up getting in there with weapons uh, like that? Surprisingly, and, and, illegally. And guess what happened illegally. at that concert? At that concert, even with the, with the guards there and everything else, everyone had to run and hide. Yeah. Nobody could try to shoot back at these guys. Yeah. Nobody. So, I mean... The bad guys managed to get a gun in there and pretty powerful weapons. And uh, is that the scenario you want now with ISIS being contained by the president, you know, and they're being allowed to run all over the, the world? Do you want to keep taking guns away from the good guys and then just letting them be sitting ducks when some crazies come into here? I guess progressives expect that, you know, people who are willing to murder innocent people around them are not willing to break a gun ban. They're not willing to illegally <laughs> obtain a gun. No. They're going to go so, through all the checks. <laughs> this, this will just solve everything. And there's just no way. The only people who are going to wind up with it are the bad people. Yep. The terrorists, the, the criminals. The good people are going to obey the law. The bad people are not. I am waiting. I, if there's got, let's just, it's a given that, let's just say that there's going to be another one of these San Bernardino crazies come out and they shoot again. I mean, we all know that there's, at some point, mm -hmm. some crazy's going to go nuts and shoot. I want the next one to be in Texas, not because I want anyone to get hurt, but because I know that there's a really good chance, just like in Garland, that that moron, as soon as he pulls out that gun, is going to get shot, shot in the face yeah. in about three seconds. Yeah. Triple eight seven two seven back. More Pat and Stu with uh, Dan Andros coming up in a second. Today with Dan Andros, uh, we got to talk about this bizarre <laughs> Sean King email situation. First of all, we got to explain who Sean King is because I, I don't know that anybody knows. We really haven't talked about Sean King all yeah. that much, and I don't know if the Blaze has covered him all that much. So, Sean King is a Black Lives Matter activist, one of the leaders of the movement, who happens to be white. Right, and that's where his big beef is with the Blaze. Yeah, that's where that came in because Glenn Glenn has no idea who this guy is. He doesn't know he, Sean King from anybody. Zero idea who this guy is, and the Blaze just all they did was do a report on. Uh, I think it was you know somebody had dug up some old police report or something. All the Blaze did was report on what was in this police report, and he just went ballistic on the Blaze because he was getting it from all 
other sources too, well, not because just Blaze. He, he claimed, <laughs> look, there he is, a little white kid. <laughs> it, I mean, you you don't get any whiter than that. <laughs> Rachel Zolotala, or whatever her name is, she, uh, her and him, yes, be a great couple. Dolezal, that's it. Yeah, it, it's just really weird because uh, he claimed as a Black Lives Matter guy that he can really relate to the Black Lives Movement because of his discrimination, where he was beaten up by a gang of white kids when he was in school because he's black. Right. Well, he's not black. He's white. It wasn't a gang. It was one kid. Right. They weren't fighting over his race. They were fighting over a girl. Right. So there's just a whole bunch of lies there that, uh, that I guess the Blaze exposed, and he's a little pissed off about it. Correct. So now... Uh, he got into this email uh, zone with uh, somebody over at Breitbart, a reporter there. Because people reached out to him, first of all, because he was, apparently his Twitter account, he's a prolific tweeter, he's tweeting all the time. And, and everyone knows. And in on gun control. Yeah. And so apparently he just started mass deleting all these tweets, and so everyone's like, what is going on? So they start emailing out and asking him what's up. He originally alleged that maybe gun owners are, you know, so in love with their guns because they have small... Penises and low sex drive. And so this compensates for it. So somebody brought up to him, well, wait a minute. Were you tweeting a while ago that you're a big, proud gun owner? <laughs> what so what's that say about Why? you? You know, uh, you know what I'm saying? So he started deleting tweets. Right. 70,000 of them. <laughs> and this reporter at Breitbart asked him about that. Uh, because there was a mass deletion, and so Milo Yiannopoulos at Breitbart uh, emailed them, wrote to Sean King, and said, Hey, why are you deleting your tweets? Is it because you were embarrassed about your past statements on firearms coming to light? Well, the response that came back was so bizarre that uh, he posted it. Um, here, was the, here was the back and forth be between them. Uh, the Breitbart reporter said, can, can, can you confirm that you are mass-deleting tweets? And they answered, tens of thousands of people all over the world deleted just two to three tweets apiece over the past few days. Think, think, about, think about how insane of a claim that is. The tens of thousands that, of people? Okay, you have lots of tweets, and you uh -huh. want to delete them. So the best way you can possibly think of to do it is to solicit people all around the world tens of thousands of them give them the password to his account which at this point everyone would have his password you're mm -hmm. telling me that all of these 10,000 people are keeping that a secret and they all just <laughs> delete they all just delete one or two or three tweets but that's the that's claim the, that's the least practical way to delete something in bulk i've ever heard in my life bar but none. that's the claim y yes they i know they gave said it his password to tens of thousands of people <laughs> so they can delete tweets. It's, it's madness. It gets, I mean, this is just the beginning. I mean, this, gets, yes. this goes way downhill from yes. here. So they talk about the tweets a little bit, and he, he mentions that these people, these tens of thousands, are from 150 <laughs> different countries around the world. So then the Breitbart reporter says, well, why are you deleting tweets? Is it because you were embarrassed about your past statements on firearms coming to light? Uh, the response was, when Sean realized you were strangely obsessed with him, he had no idea you'd come through his tweets. Once it got really creepy for Sean and his family that you seemed to love and hate, worship and despise him, Sean's administration team decided that you were too dangerous. Legal counsel at several British media companies told us that they thought you had actual psychological challenge disorders. 
for asking Wait. why are you deleting what? your tweets? <laughs> um, okay. So now you've got legal counsel. You've got these tens of thousands of people in 150 different countries. And you use legal counsel at several British media companies? Sean King? <laughs> it's a Black Lives Matter activist? Okay. Uh, so then the question was, would you, would you like to expand for the benefit of our readers on your, on your views that guns are phallic? Uh, did, you, do, did you find uh, wielding a loaded handgun as described in your 08, 09, 12, and 13 tweets sexually gratifying? You won't believe the response. Uh, we're up against a break here, but we'll come back and share more with you. It's un unbelievable stuff. Oh, we're not done yet. Okay. All right. I don't know what I... And we're back. And we're back. That was a quick break. That was a really quick break. Uh, phallic symbols... What a weird response. Phallic symbols are all throughout society. Sean believes that white supremacy drives NRA gun policies in this country. Furthermore, white supremacy is actually fear masked as superiority. Racial symbolism is present throughout the world, be it in depicting Jesus as an effeminate European... A firearm, the game of pool, etc. So your answer is yes, and apparently, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I mean, a simple what? no would have done for that answer. Yeah, I mean that. Right, uh, but I, odd. I guess it's yes. <clears throat> so uh, the Breitbart reporter posted all this, and Oliver Darcy saw it. Right, and he was like, "Okay, this can't be true." And it, <laughs> And uh, he wrote to uh, the people, the fine people at uh, Sean King's uh, account organization. Well, apparently tens of thousands of them now could potentially have received this email. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, the response was, Sean didn't write the email, but I was very serious. In fact, every word of that was accurate. Mm. And then this to the Blaze reporter. Sean thinks Glenn Beck and the Blaze are modern-day publications for white supremacy. <laughs> You're a pseudo-neo-Klansman. Mm. You have knowingly and deliberately spread lies and fabrications on Sean for months because you're an immoral person. <laughs> you have zero integrity. Even when Sean has offered the truth, uh, you went with lies. <laughs> the officer who helped Sean when he was assaulted told us that you played him as well and that he told you and others he knew Sean was biracial but that you left that out. Actually, Sean is not biracial. No, and and, um, and you notice what he did there. He talked about hearsay, what we reported on, what was in the actual report. That yes. was not in the report. Yes. There, I mean, there's even more. We'll have to share this after the break now. <laughs> more coming up on that. Today with uh, Dan Andros, we were we were into this uh, Sean King email exchange because it's so bizarre. I mean, it, it is just one of the weirder things I, I've seen. I think Sean King is a Black Lives Matter activist, one of the one of the uh, supposed supposed leaders of of the group, and he was quoted all the time. And then he he claimed racial discrimination, got beat up by a white gang when he was a kid, and and the Blaze looked into that. 
found out that not only was it not a gang, it was a one-on-one -on -one fight, it also wasn't racial because he happens to be white himself. Right, and his big defense on all this, because he went on a Twitter barrage at the time, and the Blaze, again, they went and found the police report and posted it and went through the facts on the police report. Now, Sean King would be like, well, my friend, I have, look at this, I, that's all wrong. And, he, and his big source was like, my friend, who was there. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Like, like I'm sorry, but you can't just throw up your friend and say, well, my friend says that that's not true. Well, can't go with that. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, that, we can note it in there, like, that he denies it, whatever. Uh, his but, friend said it's not true. So, so we're so retracting our story Yeah, here how do we go with the official police report when Sean's when got friend, a friend, his mom said that his little, her little Shawnee would never do something like that. <laughs> uh, so he's kind of pissed at the blaze. Anyway, he went back and forth with his Breitbart reporter on something he said about gun owners. And because he was obviously embarrassed because he supposedly bragged about being a gun owner, he went back and deleted. He enlisted, apparently, an army of tens of thousands in 150 different nations <laughs> to each delete two to three tweets of his. The whole world was united. They were together right? deleting Sean King tweets. <laughs> and it added up to 70,000 deleted tweets in like a day. So uh, he, he sent this bizarre... Uh, explanation to the Breitbart reporter, and then our own Blaze reporter Oliver Darcy followed up on it, and of course uh, the Sean King account accused the Blaze of being white supremacists, and then there was this email, which is maybe the weirdest of all. Uh, the email he, should, he the last email he sent to Darcy was uh, all also years ago. Sean was a huge Glenn Beck fan. What? Really? This liberal progressive activist was a huge Glenn Beck fan? Who now thinks our website is literally just huh. a neo-Nazi Ku Klux Klan white supremacist website. L yes. D a month ago, he loved Glenn. He just loved him. Now, he, now, not so now much. he's a Klan member. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't believe that you all never found the dozens of tweets he wrote praising him. Um, oh. More than any tweets we had volunteers delete, it was the Glenn Beck tweets that truly hurt Sean to delete. I very literally think Sean cried this afternoon over deleting his <laughs> beloved Glenn Beck tweets. Why would you have to delete them? What is the mandatory <laughs> policy that you have to delete them? Well, they were special to Sean. They, they were, were special so him, special. Right. But he deleted them anyway. <sighs> This Glenn Beck tweet, I love it so much, but we've got to delete it for else. no, for why, why do we have to delete it again? Why are we deleting um, it? We don't know, but uh, they did pay people a dollar per tweet. They deleted. In total, it will cost Sean somewhere in the ballpark of 125000 to delete okay. all these tweets. Okay, okay, <clears throat> Sean King, like, let's just throw out all your stupid opinions. You are the dumbest human being on planet Earth if you paid $125,000 no to delete your Twitter account. Mm. You idiot. You'd be better off just deleting the whole thing and starting right. over. Right. You idiot. $125,000. And not only that, it was 70,000 tweets. It, at $1 a tweet, dude, I'm not a math genius, but that's <laughs> 70,000. And Where? clearly they're not either. Gosh, and how much uh, money are you making off of this Black Lives Matter movement that you have a hundred G's to just chuck at deleting tweets? Yeah, amazing. The dumbest, most meaningless task you could possibly do. There was one more tweet that came back to Oliver. <laughs> uh, and it's, 
No, I guess I guess it so you was got, you got to back up. Yeah, it's two. Uh, Sean has hundreds of volunteers from all over the world who respond to these emails. With five kids, he's typically in bed by ten thirty to eleven. Okay, really weird. Um, he stopped using this email address personally a few months ago. When you tried to assassinate him, Oliver. Are you, uh, okay, so you're thinking. Okay, well, he's talking about assassinate his character. character? I, it just says when but, you tried to assassinate him. And but he, yes, and then the follow-up yeah. leads you to believe it, they mean it physically. Yeah. We, we believe you're flying drones over his house <laughs> and at his wife's job. Oliver, uh, wow. Oliver, I am ashamed of you. You are uh, He's a murderer. You are a murderer. Or at least you're, attempted. And right? you're a stalker. And you're, I mean, you're a crazy man who <laughs> denies your Indian heritage, too. You've got to back up because I think we skipped one. He says, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. He, he, oh, after when, he, t when the, uh, he says he left out the biracial thing yeah. off the report, he, he, the, he added to him, uh, you, Oliver, add no redemptive value to the earth. Also, I just Googled your name, and you are a terrible writer. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find one well-written piece from you. Smut, mainly. Conservative porn. <laughs> Good golly. I mean, is this bizarre stuff? And then the last jab. Are you Indian? This is another email he sent. Are you Indian? Um, which they, he, sure he, he put a photo. Relevant. I don't know either. He put a photo of Oliver in this email and then sent it to him. Are you Indian? It looks like you're trying to hide your ethnicity in your latest pics. And then Oliver wrote, I'm not Indian, but of Persian descent. And how interesting <laughs> is that from Sean King, who claims to be black when he's white? Right. right. Talk about hiding your ethnicity. <laughs> uh, wait, what? That is insane. Oliver Darcy deserves a <sighs> special stuff. medal. Yes, he uh, does. For, for this ridiculous email exchange that he was forced to uh, go through. Phenomenal. 888727 back. Uh, also, climate change naysayers. Uh, are supposedly better at a war, of, uh, a war of words, according to a new study. Climate change opponents are better at spreading their point of view than those who see climate change as real and troublesome. Um, you know, that, I don't think it's really true. What is true is we have the facts on our side, yeah. and that's why we're better at it, because... The climate change stuff is nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's absolute BS. I'd actually say, uh, is this saying the nas is this saying the deniers are better at the yeah. words? Yeah, I would we're say the better exact, at the language. I'd say the exact opposite is true. I would, too. Yeah. I would, too. The they're good at the words because they say climate deniers. They say, you know, science deniers. They, they're the ones throwing out all those phrases that box us into these corners that don't really exist. Uh, but they say the naysayers did well at changing the minds of both liberal and conservative Americans in a study. Well, yeah, because the facts, again, are on our side. When Al Gore produces a movie in 2000, let's see, Inconvenient Truth came out in 05? Yeah, or 06. yeah, somewhere around there. One of the two. Uh, it came out in 05, late 05, because uh, it also included the Katrina footage, and he talked about Katrina. Well, ever since then, we have not had a single major hurricane hit the coast of the United States of America. Since 2007, we have not had any hurricane make landfall in the United States of America. Now, you might think Sandy, but that was a superstorm. That was not a hurricane. Um, but as soon so, as that came, they said, look at all the increases in storms. Right. And, and it then, was supposed to be more frequent and more right. intense. Right. It's been neither of those right. things. The ice melt in, in the North Pole has not happened. Al Gore said it could be complete by now. He said by 2014, there could be no ice in the polar region. I, I, how, do you, 
How do you make these claims and then tell us that it's worse than you even anticipated? Right, and, and it's, it's a brilliant strategy by them in one way because all they do is they just take any weather event and just say it's part of their theory. Right. If it's drought... Part of your theory. Oh, wow, look at all these crazy extreme droughts we're having. The opposite. Rain mm -hmm. and monsoons everywhere. Man, look at this crazy climate change we're having. It's insane. They, they... Snow, no snow, yeah. cold, hot, and all then, of it. And then at the same time, you're not allowed to say, you're not allowed to point out as an opposer, you're not allowed to point out a specific season where it was extra cold or if it's snowing in June or something. No, because that's you're not weather. Allowed to point Don't that confuse out. weather with climate. Oh, I'm sorry. Now they sorry. can. They but can. you can't. Right, I can't. I can't. So don't yeah. even try that nonsense with me. <laughs> uh, respondents were asked to read fabricated news articles about climate change. Half the articles had positive messages, such as benefits <clears throat> of reducing climate change, while the rest were negative. Um, the positive messages had little or no effect on participants' core beliefs. But negative messages prompted participants to doubt its ex existence, according to the study. Or they just looked at the facts and made a logical conclusion. And that's entirely that possible. Be, yeah. Entirely possible. Now, this past weekend, uh, Stu destroyed a universally accepted belief on climate change that 97% of, of climate oh, you, scientists agree. You hear that one all the time. All That's, that is their the trump time. card. That's their ace in the hole that they shut, they shut you down. It's a consensus. Right? 97%. You're going against 97%. Uh, let's take a look at that. See what he had to say about it. Hey, don't do it, kids. It's bad for you. Don't even pretend to do it or to even pretend to make it. You're going to end up tweeting things like this if you do. 97% of scientists agree humans are significant contributors to climate change. It's real. To deny this is radical. It's time. Hashtag act on climate. Look, I love Brian Cranston, and you probably do too. In fact, your friends have probably retweeted this like crazy. It's why I'm going to completely destroy this universally accepted belief for you. It's time to get antisocial. When you read that 97% of scientists agree on climate change, a very specific image probably pops into your head. You see a room of thousands of scientists in pristine white lab coats checking the boxes on their ballots that say, Hell yeah! Global warming is real! Oh, and Al Gore is probably there, too, kind of on like a majestic throne overseeing the votes and eating grapes and a toga. That's kind of what I see. I don't know why. It's exactly the image that is intended to be conjured up in your mind. It's a sea of the smartest scientists in the world, all agreeing politely that global warming is going to kill us all very soon. The only problem with this is reality. Getting 97% of these smarty pants scientists to agree on global warming is a high hurdle. It's even a tough one for your staunch global warming believing friends to clear. To find out if your friends are true climate change believers or, as Brian Cranston says, radical deniers, you need to ask them a series of questions. I like to call this the global warming scale of alarmism. Let's start at level one. Do you think global warming is happening? Most of your friends will probably say yes and pass level one. Proceed to level two. Is global warming mostly natural? They'll probably say they don't know, or maybe even say a vehement no to that one. Let's go on to level three. Is global warming partially man-made? If they say, yeah, people are a little bit of the problem, then you'd move to level four, which is global warming. Is it uh, mostly man-made? 
they might say yes to this. You're going to start dropping off a lot of people here, but they might say, yeah, people are a big part of the problem. Go on to level five. Is global warming completely man-made? If they say yes, people are a problem, then go on. Continue to level six. Is global warming man-made, and will it be catastrophic in the future? If they've seen the day after tomorrow 5,000 times, they'll say yes, people are the problem, and we deserve every climate disaster we get. So go on to level seven. Will global warming result in a 20-foot sea level rise like any second? Now, most people are going to stop at this point and say, uh, no, it's not going to be that bad. And that's when you can present your friend with a certificate and welcome them to the fancy club of global warming denialism. Yeah. Because if you can't get all the way past level seven, you are a radical global warming denier. And that will probably shock your friends to find out. Let's take a step back from drilling your friends on climate change and look at an unbiased scientific survey of 2,000 climate scientists, meteorologists, and atmospheric scientists, and how they stack up on my global warming scale of alarmism. Here's what the survey found. Level one, do you think global warming is happening? 11% of scientists say no on this. We're already at four times the amount of deniers that Brian Cranston thinks exist. Level two, is global warming mostly natural? Another 5% of scientists say that global warming is mostly natural. Level three, is global warming partially man-made? 21% of scientists aren't sure what the cause is and about 10% think there's a split between man-made and natural. Level four, is global warming mostly man-made? Okay. 52% say it is mostly man-made. So first of all, it's not 97%, it's 52%. That's a huge difference and it's definitely not consensus. But does 52% even really capture the whole picture? All the survey says is that 52% of scientists are at levels four or above on our fancy scale. Anyone who believes it's mostly man-made or worse is included in this number. But only the people who get to level seven agree with Al Gore. The result of this is that only a small fraction of that 52% actually would be counted as non-denying scientists of the left. On the bottom of the scale are 47% of scientists who are also deniers. Let me give you one concrete example of how ridiculous this scale is. The man known as the skeptical environmentalist, Bjorn Lomborg, is called a climate change denier all the time but he would come in at level four on this scale. The trick that the left tries to accomplish with your friends is to tell them that 97% of climate scientists are a level two and above. But all Republicans, they're evil. They're a level one. The reality is that almost all climate scientists fall in levels two through five, but they're still considered evil deniers in the eyes of Al Gore because anything less than the belief in a big budget action movie level cataclysmic human cause global warming is unacceptable to Al. So to review, the 97% consensus is really a fake number. It's more like 52%. Many of those 52% are considered climate deniers. And I never want to think about Al Gore eating grapes in a toga ever again.
888-727-BECK, Pat and Stu. Uh, today with Dan Andros with us. Um, uh, you know, Coca-Cola has been exposed for the races. Oh. They are. Uh, it's about time. They've been running this unbelievably racist ad. It's so blatantly racist that... Uh, I mean, I don't know how they're getting. How how have they not shut the company down for this? How did this one go through? What I want to know is how did this go through, like all the PR levels, all the planning yeah. levels. How, how do this, you look at this thing and say, and yeah, say, that's let's, fine. Let's roll with it and not realize how utterly racist you are. Let's show this despicable yeah. piece of crap, and uh, you tell me. <laughs> all right. 81% of indigenous Mexicans feel disparaged for speaking an indigenous language. Oh, this Christmas, a group of youngsters wanted to give them a special message. White. White. The trend white. Hat, I'm seeing it. All these teenagers are white in Oaxaca, Mexico, helping Mexicans. Oh, my gosh. Look at they've all got boards. They're all coming down to help. How dare they? They've got Coca-Cola. And they've got Coca-Cola. And there's some of the Mexicans looking on as these white people help them. Look at that. Oh, that's despicable. Can you see the hate in this ad? Look you, at it. Look at, this. look at it. Now they're sharing their white beverage, Coke, with them. These little bastards. I could vomit all over this ad. It is so disgusting. <laughs> It's so despicable. They created a giant a, Coke can. I mean, that thing looks like a clan uh, hood, practically. Yeah, it does. Except red. And then it says, let's stay united. Well, a lot of nerve, man. A lot of nerve. A lot of nerve. Each time you share the video, a Coke tree will light up or something. But here's the thing. They pulled this racist ad yeah. because it's yeah. so They should. And racist. as they should. And they skipped the part where they strung up all the, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Mexican people there right. and put them on the broke right. thing and hung them and killed them. didn't happen. But, it, you know, uh, don't think about that for a minute. No. Um, think about the fact that the advertisement was slammed by some indigenous lawyer in Mexico. And he was pissed off because... This seems to be presenting white people as the savior of mm. these Hispanic people. Gosh, and I hate. I know, mm. I know. Whenever I'm in need, Pat. Whenever I need a hand, and, mm -hmm. and you know, um, you know, someone steps in to help. I usually make sure I look at what race they are first. Sure. And Before then you get I, any help. From and them. then I think about all of the fake implications that come along with that. With that. Uh, with that dynamic that's happening of one race helping a different race, it really helps to make sense of the world when you view everything through race instead of yeah, it does just merit. Yes, it does. Yeah, or you judge know, people or by the color of their skin, that's not what by I the do. content that's of their I character. Do. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. As mm -hmm. part of Coca-Cola Mexico's Christmas campaign for this year, the video uh, mix community Totontepec was launched on digital channels, seeking to convey a message of unity and joy. Our intention was never to be insensitive or to underestimate any indigenous group. We have now removed the video and apologized to anyone who may have been offended. In nearly 90 years in the country, Coca-Cola Mexico has worked to share messages of unity and friendship to contribute to build a society free of prejudices. And yet, and yet a lawyer, a Mexican lawyer, was so prejudiced against these white kids, he got this ad shut down. Because how dare you make it look like white people would help? 
Hispanic people? Yeah, because you wouldn't I, want that. Hell. You cannot make these people happy. They freaking complain about everything. First, it's we're white, and we've got white privilege, mm-hmm. right? So we better recognize that damn white privilege that we have. Here's a group of teenagers recognizing that and going to help others. Right, so now now they go to help, and they get vilified and they're, you know, for actually going and doing something good. So what the hell are we supposed to do with our white privilege? Well, I guess. Are we supposed to... Not we can't help somebody with it and and pass it on to somebody and say hey I've been privileged so I'm going to help somebody can't do that. Could apparently. you have made this palatable by including uh, you know what they have ten white kids ten yeah. white teenagers if you would have put three Hispanics and three black kids and three white kids. And an Indian American. In well, what about the Eskimos, though? Why do you? Wh- okay, we'll add the. Now, now you're saying the Eskimos don't want to help anybody. And the Asians. We need Asians. And in Asians. There. So. So if you would have had every ethnicity, every ethnicity ever, in the yeah. exact proportion they appear in society, yeah. I, st- I don't know if you appease anybody. I really don't. I, I, then they'd complain that you didn't have enough. <sighs> then you'd complain that there were, were white kids in there at all. I mean, I, I don't know how it's, you do this anymore. It is I really exhausting. Don't. I mean, it's exhausting. I honestly, like, I, I'm so, I had a, oh gosh, I had a friend of mine on Facebook, friend, high school classmate on Facebook, who complained, I made a joke about, you remember when the Facebook uh, logo, they complained about that, saying that the man was in front of the woman on it, like the little Facebook oh, yeah. friend logo? Yes. And I made some crack about, oh, come on, really? This is something that's an actual issue? And they go on and on, and they're all like, oh, yeah, this is uh, part of the uh, patriarchy that's just, it's just killing America, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking... This is not the world I want to live in. This is not. No, it these is are not. not the really. These are the, our our country must be freaking amazing if these are the conversations that we're having. Yes, yes. It must be nice that yes. we can worry about the Facebook logo and who's in front on it. Are you kidding true. me? That's, that's and the Coca Cola ads. Come on, it's true. And they oh, pull it. I mean, and and the least little complaint from a lawyer from in Mexico. Lawyer who in cares? Mexico. You That's... just tell them to shut up. You're Coca-Cola. Shut up. You practically own the country or the world. I mean, how much money is Coke making? Oh my gosh! And you're you're afraid of this one lawyer? Are you serious? And the answer is yes. Oh, yes, they are. Pathetic Coke. Uh, all right. According to New York Magazine. Um, they, they ran this article about uh, being internet famous. Internet fame comes on like an earthquake with little warning. In a matter of hours, a video can go viral and be viewed 50 million times. Then it usually recedes into a very long, thin afterlife. Here, uh, nine YouTube sensations whose lives were upended briefly in the past decade, uh, plus one from um, like a long time ago, 2005. <laughs> Speak about this really weird, relatively new kind of fame. Most embraced the experience, seeing where it would take them. Some ended up in dark places. A couple have made it uh, their living and found themselves in new careers. Others stepped away, opting out of the flame wars. Now, I think the last time you, the last time you filled in, we talked about that guy from Denmark. Or oh someplace. yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, PewDiePie. Or yes, something PewDiePie. Like that. Yeah, PewDiePie. I just happened. I would never remember that, yeah. but I just happened to see an article on him the other day. Who so. makes seven million a year uh, or something? God bless him. Has thirty-seven million subscribers to his uh, YouTube channel. It's, it's pretty, amazing. pretty amazing. What was it you were reading about him the other day? Why was he in the news again? I can't remember. Can't You're remember. Me. I can't remember. Okay, well, not everybody has that kind of experience. Um, if you remember Miss Teen South Carolina, we <laughs> might have played this a few, a few times. <laughs> I personally believe 
that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps and uh, I believe that our ed education like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere like such as and I believe that they should uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future. Okay that's from 2007. Uh, yeah thank you very much. We love Thank you. That clip. Oh, I'm, man. Some and U.S. Americans don't have maps. So they don't have maps. And you can just see what was happening there. She completely panicked. She blanked. Mm -hmm. And she was just saying words. And bless her heart. I mean, I she mean, tried I, yeah. to struggle she through tried. and make it anyway and turned it into a children thing. She just went back to her training as a, as a right. beauty queen, right? Um, anyway, she claims that she went through some tough times after that, some real dark really? times where she might have even considered suicide at some point. And uh, I, I, couldn't mean, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine what I mean, it's seriously I mean, we can all it's easy for us to sit there and have a laugh about it. But I mean, I could not imagine what the weight of that must feel like when the whole right. entire country and possibly the world is making fun of you. That, that's got to be especially for a teenager. Yeah, that's I not, mean, you know how when you're a teen, every stupid little thing is like tough. the hugest deal in the world. I mean, that had to be crazy. That's tough. Now, you might remember this one, this little piece of Internet fame, Evolution of Dance. From 2006. Wow, it's Jeez. been that long ago. How many times has this thing been seen? Two hundred million. Is he? I think that's what he was. Something in his school. He, was, like, so he wasn't even trying to make an internet video. Oh. So this <laughs> happened at a talent show or something. Like they're at the auditorium right? or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's something like that. <laughs> so this guy became kind of an accidental YouTube star. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's been yeah. recreated a million times. I mean, a million different people have done that. Well, that, basically, that spawned a whole genre, too. The evolution of, I mean, Jimmy Fallon does one of those every two minutes. Right. You know? Exactly. Uh, then there was you know, the Charlie Bitney thing. Um, how many times have you seen that being peddled around? Charlie, know. You, do you not I know, know this that one? I know this one. I, really? I like when I see it. I don't know it by that name. From 2007. Amazing. Jeez. Charlie Bitney. Watch this. Mm. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. <laughs> That's it. That's essentially it. That's it. And it was viewed, I don't know, 17 billion times. Jeez. I, it's, it's crazy. Kids probably, you know, What's he's 45 thing? years old now. Then there's, you know, it's coming, by the way, in like 20 years, they're going to like, Hey, it's the Charlie Bitney kids all grown up, and they're going right. to do the little thing. And yes. Then, you know, yes, they it'll are. Be, it'll be so quick. You know that will happen. Yeah, and happen. they'll get another five or ten minutes of fame. <laughs> then there was David after the dentist uh, from 2009. This is a seven-year-old kid riding home in the car after a dental appointment. Yes. You know this one, Yes, right? I know this one. It's a good one. Uh, <laughs> kind of felt good, didn't it? Uh, it it's 
this real life? <laughs> yeah, this is real life. <laughs> okay, now... Okay, now I... I have two fingers. Good. <laughs> four fingers. Four fingers? Nah, uh, uh, uh. Don't put that in... Don't put it in your mouth. Okay? You feel good? <laughs> I can't see anything. Oh, yes, you can. See anything. <laughs> this is Stay actually in your seat. pretty good. <laughs> A primal scream he lets out. Kid just felt weird after dental surgery. Anyway, a little piece of uh, internet history there for you. Uh, more patents due with Ken coming up in a second. Primal screen is great. So great. <laughs> Nice tweet there from, uh, uh, well, it's, I guess we tweeted it, right? Poor Jeff, Jeffy MRA before surgery. Hashtag good luck. Hashtag see you on this other side. And, of course, hashtag, hashtag overweight. overweight. The guy's in the hospital going <laughs> life-threatening surgery here, and we have to hashtag it over, overweight? <laughs> and fortunately, he came out of the surgery well. Uh, just oh, he's heard done from already? Amber, he's, he's done already. Really? He's doing well. Yeah, he's okay. So uh, he's about to head home. He's had the he's had the reparations done on his shoulder. Now just comes the really tough rehab part, which is for that surgery uh, agonizing. You saw what Keith went through, right? Um, I just saw Keith walking around with a sling, but yeah, uh, he was miserable. Of course, he's a wuss. He, and he's so always miserable. He's a sissy. He has a scowl on his face everywhere That's true. he goes. So. That's a good point. Triple eight seven two seven back. All right, we have from Mental Floss. They claim 11 brilliant gifts, $20 and less. I don't, we just scanned this thing, Pat, and I don't know. I don't know how brilliant We might are. have to question the brilliant claim in here, but, let's, but I was interested in this because I'm, I'm really not a, if I'm being honest, I'm not really a good gift giver. I mean, I might just get the, what do you call them, the uh, gift cards? Yeah, yeah. That's probably what I do, which is such a dumb gift. Me too, gift, now, because nobody, nobody ever uses them. I know, but it, I... It feels no, like something you would use, like unless you know what I mean. Like you, there's mm -hmm. a chance you'll go out to dinner with the card I get. You know, I mean, sure. I'm not getting you one. I mean, I'm not. We we haven't had that. We've never exchanged gifts, so I'm not. Right. Uh, when I maybe say you, I mean, maybe it's time. Maybe yeah. yeah maybe, maybe it's time to start. Now I've made it awkward. I don't you, know. You really have. <laughs> you really kind of hurt my feelings now. Um, but number one is a Power Up 2.0 electric paper airplane conversion kit. Electric paper airplane conversion okay, kit. That could. I mean, potentially maybe be fun. Be cool. I mean, if I, oh, I can I see it's know. got the little fan on the back. Yeah. So it probably gets some good uh, flight distance. Right. All right. I, maybe. Could be fun. Okay, 17 bucks. All right. That's a little high uh, for a paper airplane. Okay. But. Yeah. Uh, number two, the Marvel Comics Lady Socks. Those are $15. My wife wouldn't be digging those. My, mine either. No. You have to have a certain kind of wife, I think, for that one. I would say so. Number three, are, are you excited about number three? Seedles? Uh, I can see some people liking that. I mean, again, it's targeted. $9 and up. Each package of Seedles Seed Bombs 
self-growing garden of bee-friendly wildflowers. Simply throw the seed bombs in your backyard and let the wind, sun, and rain do the rest. That, that might not be bad. I mean, I can Kinda see cool, that being okay. Kinda I guess. Be, a good spot for it. I mean. uh, then we have number four. Um, this is a regional roundup of wrappers. That's funny. Pint glass. <laughs> Uh, if you're shopping for me, yeah, no, I'm going to say no on that. It's funny. I mean, it's not, if you're going for the comedy of it, like Pat drinking a wrapper glass, I mean, it's pretty funny. Like if you're going for actual yeah. accuracy and you need to make sure that you know where your wrappers are from, then I don't know that it's, it's no. really worth anything. But. Right. And number five, crackling candles. I've had these. I've bought these. I've given these. Yeah. Right. This is actually a pretty good gift. What do they do? I mean, they crackle. They make a nice little crackle. It's, it's like, like a, a little, fireplace. yeah, like a little miniature yeah. fireplace okay. kind of thing. And, and it works. It's like not a wimpy. Crackle. It works. Yeah, and sometimes they smell good. You know, if they're scented candles okay. as well. So that's crackling. Can- that's eighteen bucks. You can get. Uh, they're available in sweater weather, mold cider, and snow day. They have wood wicks which crackle gently hmm. as the candle burns. You like that? Yeah, I like that I, one. I'm a scented candle one. guy. I like yeah, it. that's a good one. You can't go like wrong them. with candles. Yeah. And they're a little bit different than a typical candle. So, yeah, right. I think that's a good one. Yeah. All right, number six. These are obviously Malvi marshmallow sandwiches. Five for $4. Yes, I'll take this. Yeah, that looks good. Uh, and they got cool labels and everything, so it's kind of neat. Kind of. You can get them in dark chocolate shortbread, pumpkin and spice, of course, um, and ginger snap cookies. So that's, that's pretty good. That's good. Five of them for four bucks. Uh, number seven, we have plush guts. Uh, these cuddly plush organs were originally <laughs> developed as a creative gag gift, but they've developed into apparently with a big fan base... Among the chronically ill and other folks who uh, have uncooperative body parts. So you get them like a, an intestine plush thing or a heart or Let's kidneys see. or liver, and they're $18. Wait a minute. So you're saying that people who have like a, you have a heart condition. Yeah. And, and you give them I, one of these little plush toy hearts. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that transaction. No, I'm, I'm, hey, I was thinking about you and your bum heart. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so got you this heart pillow. Now, you can die at any time, but at least you can squeeze this for a while right. before you do. No. No. Uh, number eight, Darth Vader and Stormtrooper boxers. Uh, no, thank you. No. That's stupid. $15. <laughs> uh, nothing says I love you more than uh, Darth Vader underwear. Right. Doesn't? And if you want to guarantee that no uh, woman in your life will ever see your underwear, get those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a very important point. Uh, number nine, the Zoku Single Popsicle Maker, $16 and up. So you can get a... All right. Uh, how many popsicles do you make at your house? Now, you have small children, so maybe you yeah. actually do this. Uh, I we don't anymore. We, we so. have before. Just, we used to make a little so, popsicle you know, with the ice cube tray. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Did that years ago, and that would have come in handy then, but not now so much. Right. Uh, number 10, Game of Phones, $20. Turn your friends and family members' smartphones into fun for everyone. Players draw a prompt card and then collect points by being the first to use their phone to create an emoji masterpiece, show off the last photo you took, or find the weirdest Google image result for your name. That's for 14 years old and up. So... It's a game that you play with your smartphones, and I guess you draw cards like one that says, send a message to your parents, first reply wins. 
Okay, yeah, that might be fun. Could be fun, but if your parents don't text you back for like six days, it might get a little lame. You're going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, number 11, the Harry Potter coloring book for nine bucks. It's a coloring book. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a brilliant gift. I no, mean, it's really not. I no. Mean, it's just a gift for nine dollars. BuzzFeed does this all the time, yeah, too. Yeah, just they make us look at the list. 84 things you're going to love for under $56. <laughs> and I only like one of them, maybe. Right. You know? I don't have time to look at your 84 things. Triple eight seven two seven back More patents, Stu, with uh, Dan coming up in a second. It's inevitable. I mean, there's nothing you can do. It's like death and taxes. <laughs> We're just going to come back. Again. <laughs> Uh, with Dan Andros today. Dan, are you, are you a big uh, uh, Star Wars fan as well? Yes, I am. Yes. I, so am. You... I mean, I'm not far, I'm not big enough where I've looked in-depthly into the plot lines and things like that that are coming up. I mean, I, but I am a fan, yes. You are a fan. Yes. Yeah, well, the plot line seems to be uh, pretty well under wraps anyway. Right. They, n nobody knows it that I right. know of. But they know the character names and stuff. I, yeah. I can't say that I could. I have some friends G-chatting me like, oh, you know, such and such. And I'm like, what's that? Oh, that's one of the characters. Okay. I haven't looked that far into it, but I am excited about it. Okay, but you, I mean, you know the names of the characters from the previous movies. Yes, I'm right? talking about the new characters. Okay. Like everyone's yes. talking the about characters. the new characters. Like I have no Han idea. Solo. No, I have no idea. No yeah. idea. Right. Any, like the new... Villain or something, apparently everybody right. knows the name of. Right. It's uh, obviously for us. Right. <laughs> uh, and I think that the girl, people know her name. Yep. I don't know how or why. Neither. Uh, I, I guess the girl, my guess is she's Leia's daughter. Do we know that? No idea. Yeah, I don't know that either. But anyway, people are lining up for the movie now, 10 or 11 days in advance oh, in uh, Hollywood. I, I don't know why you would do that in this day and age. In 1998 or 99, whenever that Phantom Menace came out, it might have made sense. In 1983, I remember people doing that for Return of the Jedi. might have made sense. Today, it makes no sense because no. you can buy the tickets well in advance. You already got your ticket. I, I already have my ticket for December 22nd, so watch for me at a theater near you. <laughs> and um, so I already, I already have it. You don't have to stand in line for it. Nope. You don't have to do this anymore, and yet they're doing it anyway. And I guess... It's tradition for some of them, and they like doing this, and they just like you like a camp out in an urban setting. <laughs> I guess. I, I, well, I if you're really a Star Wars nerd, I, I will say Stu and I, when the Phantom Menace and all those ones came out, um, we went on opening night. Some I think we were in Florida at the time, and uh, it was like that. I don't think people were camping out, but the parking lot had lightsaber duels going on, and. Oh, of course. You know, so, so I think that's sure. probably why they're going there, not just mm. to be in line. But, uh, but it was a, yeah, it just was, for the fun. I would actually say it was exciting, but it also kind of ruined things because, like, everyone in the theater was cheering at parts. And I don't I like, like that. I was like, stop, guys! No. I just want to hear what's going. Because then you miss like twenty seconds because everyone's woo. Like when Yoda, you know, when the light, when Yoda does his first lightsaber duel in the yeah. in the you know prequels or whatever. Uh, the crowd went nuts on that part. But then you missed, like, some dialogue that they were having back and forth, and it was kind of like, come on, you know. But anyway. 
Yeah, re relax. It's a movie relax. theater. It's a movie You're theater. not in a play. There's no actors there no. to applaud for. Correct. It always bugs me at the end of the movie when people start applauding. What, what are you doing? <laughs> right. None of these people are here. Right. You Encore. That, right? Oh, wait. Sorry. Can't. <laughs> None of these people are here to appreciate your applause. <laughs> Knock it off! <laughs> um, but just to prove that some people have way too much time on their hands, uh, there's been a study done by a Washington University professor that talks about how much the Death Star explosions would have cost the Empire. <laughs> uh, so you know this guy had way too much time on his oh hands. Professor Zachary Feinstein draws some inferences based on quotes from the film series, but uh, he plugged real-world equations to model the galactic economy and measure the impact. <laughs> the galactic economy. Now, they lost... Not one, but two of the Death Stars, right? <laughs> he says, for our analysis, we will assume a relatively high growth environment, given the political <laughs> situation, under the assumption the Empire was able to kickstart the galactic economy. We can make this assumption as it provides a lower bound to the risks, i.e. a lower growth environment would have larger economic losses as a fraction of the economy. Let us assume an average of GGP growth of 2%. Uh, would have a value, so it would have a value, th these lost Death Stars would have a value of approximately 6,090 quintillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that seems it. like a lot. This it is does. Qu uh, well, quintillions past a trillion, right? It's a, yes, yes it is. Uh, this is a considerably high growth rate for the Galactic Empire, we come to this conclusion because of the non-existent uh, technological progress for 25 millennia, but also the political instability by the, because of the Rebel Alliance's existence. Uh, and he goes on and on calculating Wait a minute, the and he blames impact. the political instability on the Rebel Alliance? Yes. Yes, he does. That seems a little, uh, little backwards there. <laughs> I mean, you got Darth Vader running around <laughs> trying to dominate the, the galaxy. Uh, the instability would seem to be from the tyrant, not from the people trying to free yes. uh, the oppressed people of the galaxy. Yes, we could probably assume this guy's not a conservative. <laughs> Feinstein estimates a 20% drop in the market after the Death Star is, is destroyed. And the Emperor and Vader are dead, but that in the end, the rebels wouldn't be armed with the political will or the capital to finance a bank bail bailout. Without a bailout, there was a non-negligible chance of over a 30% drop in the size of the galactic economy overnight, larger than the losses from the Great Depression over four years. So if you've been wondering how much that cost the Empire to lose those Death Stars, now you can put that this to rest. This is classic prof professorial thinking, too. I mean, he's complaining about the, uh, the free market nature yeah, of the uh, of the rebels and how they just won't have the well, they won't be able to get it done. We need that galactic empire to go ahead and put that. Those damn rebels, <laughs> they cost quintillions they were the of dollars. The freedom fighters, <laughs> the ones who were trying to bring freedom to the galaxy. <laughs> what, by the way, did you think of uh, Angela Merkel's uh, um, uh, status as as Times Person of the Year? Did you have you heard the announcement yet? No, I did not hear that. Yeah. But Angela Merkel, uh, could there be a more boring? Seriously. Or less relevant to America person of the year. Why, I mean, what's the big thing? Because she uh, because she's letting in lots of refugees yeah, or something? Exactly right. Yeah, she's letting in over a million refugees. And so now she's the person of the year. That's dumb. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, 
If if Donald Trump isn't the person of the year in America, I don't know who is. Well, Angela Merkel is. I do, I do know who it is. But it should have been. As much as I despi- dislike him, yeah, it should have been Donald he's Trump. He's dominated the headlines right? most of the year. Dominated almost start to finish. And it's Will crazy he run? Ideas. Will he run? He's running and then ever since. And it's not just a popular guy. It's a guy with absolutely insane ideas. And yet somehow it's like resonating. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a... That is more interesting than Angela. Uh, and American, by the way. Uh, yes. Triple eight seven two seven. Back. Use that number tomorrow, and we'll talk to you there. All right. See you.